Right, I think I'm ready. Are you guys ready? Cool. Let's rock and roll. Hey guys, what's happening? Welcome to another episode of the Beard of Fen podcast and thanks for joining me. Uh, in this episode, I happen to chat to an old friend of mine. We used to go to school together, Andrew Kilmartin. He currently lives in Norway and I thought I'd check in with him and find out how he's doing, catch up. We haven't had a video chat for quite a while and uh, we also chatted about what was happening with him and his family and how they had been affected by what's going on in the world at the moment and we also spoke about motorcycles. He happens to own a Triumph. And we also caught up on what's happening with his bike and the kind of trips that he's done. So anyway, I hope you enjoy this episode. It's been a while, dude. It's been it a has. while. I was wow, I think I was last back. Ooh, it, it was early 2000. Yeah, well, uh, did, I, did I see you then? Because I, mean, I have this vivid memory of long, long time ago when I was still living in Whitbank, where there were like yeah. headlights, at like eight o'clock at night at my house. And I was like, yeah. what the hell's going on here? Who the hell's coming to visit me at eight o'clock at night on a Thursday? <laughs> I think it was a Thursday. <laughs> and there it was, Mr. Kel Martin, who had, uh, I was going to say fled the country, but uh, yeah, left, it was, left uh, the country at, uh, when, when did you leave the country? 98. 98. Yeah, I uh, there was a deadline to join the navy. You had to be younger than twenty six. All right, because I so, mean, you uh, went off to the Royal Navy, yeah. Yeah, ninety eight. So I uh, left ninety eight, and then uh, that was just time to get all the admiralty interview board and medical, and uh, and I joined September ninety eight on a eight year uh, commission. And did, did you uh, yeah. do the full eight years? I can't remember. I did. I did seven and then I did a year transition. Okay. So uh, I retrained. So after the Navy, you retrain. And then that's how I ended up project management. And then it was oil and gas. And they said, do you want Scotland or Norway? And I said, I'll take Norway. And the rest is history. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, the, yeah. So, I mean, I left Wetbank in 2006. So when you say early 2000s, that must have been uh, probably the time that you came to visit. Eh? Yeah. I, because if I remember right, you, I think you 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 had a place. Uh, there was a new place. I know you moved later, but there was a new place, the Rainer Ridge area. <laughs> yeah, I was staying. Well, when you came to visit, I was at my folks' place, my folks' yes. old place. Right. That's that's yeah. that, that's the last time I was. There. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we went and we had a bit of a party out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was good. That was all good. good. Good memories. Good memories. But shit, dude, that's like almost twenty years ago. Yep. You do realize how time has flown. Man. No, I know. <laughs> and I was working out, I mean, uh, we we all met 86 when we started high school. Yeah. And uh, you, I know you disappeared for a couple of years. I think you went up to CBC. Yeah, I was only there for a year, but it was... Okay. Yeah, it was a good year to go. Huh? Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, but we saw it out the, 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 the remainder of the time and... Uh, at Greendale, it yeah. was uh, good memories. Good memories. <laughs> I was I was chatting to Lester the other day, and uh, we were reminiscing about banking banking uh, Mr. Fisser's uh, science class <laughs> and hiding in the prefect room. 
and then getting yeah. bust shortly afterwards, you know. Yeah. No, good memories, man. Good memories. Oh shit, yeah. dude. I can remember. Uh, listen, I mean, I mean, we can talk about lots of memories. I mean, I can remember coming through to your. I think it was your folks' place at Douglas, and we had like a yeah. party at your place. And like we yeah. stayed up the whole night and the next day we went and we played golf and I mean it was yeah. like really good times, I must admit it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but now oh. um so how long have you been in Norway now? So that's uh, just over fourteen years now. Fourteen years. And you uh, yeah. working for the same people, doing the same job or what's the story? I did for for ten years. Uh, I was with the same same group. It was a Cedral group, so it was offshore uh, oil and gas. But I did a stint, uh, we started in, I started in Stavanger, moved up to Bergen, which is just further up the coast, um, mainly on fixed platforms then. Then I moved back to Stavanger and took up uh, floaters, the drilling drilling units. So we had a fleet of uh, drill ships and uh, uh, offshore drilling units. And then I supported Africa. We moved out to Brazil for a short stint, back oh, wow. to Norway. And then I was commuting to Oslo. And uh, 20, 2016, we, we parked the fleet. Right. There was only a couple of rigs running. Yeah, we had a big uh, crash. There was a big crisis in oil and gas. All right. And uh, yeah, then I, then I went back to school. Oh, you went back and to school? To school, do what? yeah. To do what? Uh, energy, uh, the new energy system. Okay. So... Uh, we were looking at um, new energy sources, uh, natural gas, making it, uh, you know, hydrogen, uh, the mix with solar and wind. And so we started on that. Oh, wow. That's interesting. So, uh, yeah. Um, never, too, never too old to learn. Yeah, I know. Jeez. I mean, like if, you, if you're in IT or software or that kind of stuff, dude, every day, you wake up tomorrow morning and there's a new, new feature yeah. and a new thing that you've got to learn and, and I mean, yeah. if you're not working with it, like actively in your job, you get left behind very, very quickly. So like I'm in yeah. that, I'm in that space now where, you know, I've been doing the same kind of thing for quite a few years and, uh, you know, you're supporting that and you're developing it, but you're still just using the same technology over and over again. And now with yeah. big data and data analytics and all that kind of stuff and cloud technology and all that, yeah. you know, and. Now the company is starting to get into that. So I've found a way to get onto a team that's busy working on that. So fortunately, I'm, I'm learning on the job, you know, which is good. But you were always on that cutting edge of IT. I remember you had the first internet link to <laughs> complex and people used to come around to see how the internet was working. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Uh, I, I was thinking back to it. I mean, it was, what, I don't know, 95? Maybe in 95, 96 that we got the internet. Yeah. And it wasn't even Whitbank then. It was like still only in Joburg. And then I would dial into Johannesburg and my yeah. budget was 500 Rand a month for internet back in those days. I mean, 500 Rand was a lot of money. And yeah, you know that what that was? That was 30 minutes a day on the internet. Wow. And it was still, you know, your 56K modem. I started out with a 28.8 and then I upgraded to a, 56k but i mean it was still in those days boy you just like used to sit there waiting for everything to die you know to load you know anyway yeah. so i'm still no, no. i'm still i'm still cutting edge with internet eh? so at home 
Um, okay, I don't have a one gig line yet. I'm working working towards okay. it, but I've got a I've got a 200 meg up and down line at the okay. moment. <laughs> no, I I just remember I knew when uh, when we we all rented that place together in. Uh, oh yeah, Neil. what was it? It was uh, Highland Muse. Yeah. Just did, um, and I knew if the telephone line, if there was a line running into the room, I knew you were on the net. I uh, uh, did. The the I can just remember the house party that we had there, yeah. And I can wake I I can remember waking up the next morning and I remember we used to have that, have that cordless my General Electric cordless phone, yeah. and I can remember seeing the cordless phone floating in the in the punch bowl. That <laughs> 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 had this purple stain on it that was, I don't think ever ever went. But anyway, yeah. Was, I'm not sure the insurance things like that. Uh, <laughs> Can you remember? I mean, I, I was chatting to uh, when I was chatting to Lester. I was saying to Lester, you know, like you look at all these things like social media with uh, TikTok and YouTube and these guys making all these skits and all that kind of stuff. I said, can you imagine what it would have been like if that stuff was available when we were like that age? Because I mean, we were also playing silly buggers and all that kind of stuff. Can you remember? Yeah. Can you remember the voice, the 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 answering machine message that you left on yeah. the on the vent? And we were like yeah. getting three or four calls a day for people just yeah. phoning just to hear the phoning in, yeah. <laughs> and we changed the theme a bit, and yeah, uh, but uh, good times. When we grew up, there was no evidence. <laughs> very, very good point. Very, very good point. I, I do worry about people growing up, and that's why I keep minimum digital footprint. It's uh, uh. people live their lives sometimes, and and you know, and they. Yeah, you, you know, they say they're always happy, but they might not be. And yes, yes, yes. It becomes a bit of a competitive. Uh, so I'm, I'm still wary of things like, I mean, my, my, my wife goes nuts, but even loading WhatsApp, and I'm still very wary of all these things. I'm uh, like, yeah. Well, who, yeah. Who's data? Who's watching? Who's not? Yeah. Look, I mean, it's a big, it's a big conversation that everyone's having, and I mean, I've got, I've got the, uh, I was actually joking around. Um, a couple of months ago, uh, probably about a year ago, about about Instagram or your your phone listening to you, because a friend of mine was we were talking about all the different um, like uh, voice assistants, like Google and Siri and all that kind of stuff. And yeah. um, so Samsung brought out their new phone with Bigsby on it, which was their personal assistant, voice assistant, and whatever. And it was total crap when it came to the South African accent because I could just never get it right. But the Google Assistant worked so well. So my buddy said to me, well, well, why do you think it works so well? I said, because it's listening to you all the time. And yeah. it's improving itself all the time. I was like half being serious and half joking. Well, but I was, but I mean, I obviously, I mean, I've got two teenage daughters. They've all, you know, they've got their phones and, you know, so I'm trying to educate them a lot of the time on how to be socially responsible on on the internet and on social media and all that kind of thing and um the one thing that i was telling them was this whole thing i was also joking with them about your phone listening to you and all that kind of stuff and the one day my daughter sent me a screenshot on it was an advert on on instagram and she said that she had been talking to her grandfather about ideas of what she could do when she left school and one of the things was she said, oh, I wonder if I, should, if I could go and study at another university in another country, say, for instance, Canada. 
And she said the next day she was getting adverts on Instagram f- on how yeah. to apply to study in Canada. And I was like, okay, uh, that's a bit funny. Um, but, you know, but I mean, you know how it is. You go and you Google something um, on your browser and the next minute you're on your phone on Facebook and now you're getting adverts. So, yeah. okay, you can say it's Google Analytics. You can understand how they link it together. But I mean, the whole Instagram thing, I was like... Okay, that's a bit weird. Maybe it's yeah. a bit of, bit of a coincidence. But I've proven it. I was yeah. having a conversation. It's happened twice now on two separate occasions. But the first occasion was I was having a lunch with a friend. And uh, she was telling me how um, she used to do uh, a downhill mountain bike racing. Right. Now, I don't ride bicycles. I'm not interested in bicycles. I don't Google bicycles or whatever. So we had lunch cool. that day. And then about... Five, six o'clock that night, I started, um, I was going through my Instagram feed and whatever. And I'm telling you, there must have been at least five or six adverts for mountain bikes, road bikes, accessories, and clothing. Yep. Now, how, and I mean, I didn't Google anything between the time that we had lunch and, the, and, and that evening. And uh, I mean, for me, there was enough proof. And, I've, and it's happened to me since. Um, with 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 getting adverts on um, on Instagram. No, I mean the algorithms there. It'll pick up on certain words. It'll sample and it knows how to how to feed the adverts. To, to, I don't think physically someone sat there analyzing no, word no, no. for word. No, 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 no. But the no, algorithms no. there sample it and and send you. And that same as we the, the LG TV and you can uh, request certain programs and it's voice activated. And I said to Anya, check your mail now. You'll, you'll see that there are adverts, holidays, insurance, and uh, there you go. Well, I'll tell you another thing that happened recently, um, actually this weekend, that I, um, I started watching Money Heist on Netflix. Now, I've watched it before, and the new season's come out, and I suppose it's a bit coincidental, but um, I started watching it, when was it? What's today? Today's, so I started watching it on Saturday. Yesterday, when I went to my YouTube feed, it's now feeding me on my on the on the page that you go into as you go in. Yeah. It's got suggestions for yeah. clips from the money heist and all that kind of stuff. So it might be coincidental, but um, it's pretty pretty interesting that it happened to be the day after I started watching it. Yeah, no, I'm I'm sure, and it, it's quite scary. And they like they say the profile they build up, they they know your friends, they know your network, they know your likes and your your interests. And uh, I mean, they say, you know, the the software might know you better than you know yourself. No, exactly. <laughs> no, it's true. It's true. Uh, yeah, I think I think it gets scary when they start using that to make decisions about hiring and firing and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, I, you know, as much as uh, nobody's come out, but I'm sure there's green and red lights on all sorts. Uh, they'll have a profile and they'll say this is, you know, because people, they would also build up a facade and it's not the real them. So, yes. you know, yes. and behind the scenes, they'll start to p- put pieces together and say, well, this is what this person is actually like. Yeah, that's so, true. Uh, yeah. Mm. Scary. <laughs> so just going back to, just going back to, uh, the work that you've been doing over the last couple of years and when you say that you were doing work in Africa or Brazil yeah. or that kind of thing, I mean, I mean, were you flying there? Were you on the, sh- you know, were so, you on a rig or something? 
so uh, for for support for projects when we were doing Africa, no, we had a team that were based there, operational team, and we were operational support. So we would do all the project support from here, all the drawings, okay. and we would help with the procurement, the equipment, and have it delivered. And then we'd have a team there that installed. But when it came to Brazil, then we did fly in and we established the office. Okay. But it was a, 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 a similar to a nationalization program as well. We built the office up two years and then you would leave and then you would hand over to someone. Um, in the country. So, or, yeah. And, yeah. And there's certain rules about uh, you have to hire so many people from that country. Um, but it was really just to get the systems up and running, uh, shadow training. Um, but yeah, it's... But we, we support remotely. So we've got fleets. Uh, we were split, split east and west hemispheres. Um, and then we had head offices, technical offices, in one in Dubai and, and one in Houston. And then we would, like for the North Atlantic fleet in, in Norway, we would uh, do operation support from here. So we'd have rigs, uh, sea drill rigs in Africa. Funny enough, they come over to Namibia when they're on the way over. Okay. Uh, park in Namibia and do refits in Cape Town. We've got a couple right. of rigs down there. Oh wow! So, yeah, because I mean, I've seen, I've seen, I've been down in Cape Town where I've seen there's been a rig in the in the bay. Well, yeah, yeah just outside the harbour there. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. No, there'll be crews from Dubai and Houston following that, tracking it. They fly in, they go on the rig as well, and they sail with it. And then there's certain projects that they do en route. Uh, but the, those are the good runs when they get to Cape Town and Namibia. The, there's a <laughs> lot of people volunteer for those runs. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah, but it, it was I was gutted though. Same as the Navy, we get a harmony appointment. They call it, so they send you back to where you're from. And when I joined the Navy, I joined from South Africa, yes. and I thought yeah, I'm going back to South. But no, they had a look at the birth certificate, and they sent me back to the northeast of England. Like, <laughs> Bugger! <laughs> quite didn't quite make it back. Yeah, but didn't you when you were in the Royal Navy? Didn't you do a bit of a stint down in South Africa for something? Wasn't there no, some training? I was, or? What, what happened is uh, when I was leaving and part of my transition, I, I came down in 2005. I looked if I could do a, anything continuation of that. So I went into Simonstown and I went to the recruiting yeah. office and I thought, is there a, a stepping stone in a career? Is there something I could do here? Okay. Um, but it didn't, it, didn't, it didn't work out. And yeah. I was doing project management then and I thought, but then I retrained oil and gas. But I had a look to see, is there anything, a stepping stone? Because, you, you, you know, <laughs> you miss home. You want to go, yeah. yeah? And the family was still there, and I thought, yeah. okay, we can. This could work. Yeah. But uh, with oil and gas, starting a new rung on the ladder, you got to start again, back to you know, back to mechanical before you get the project, and then uh, build up again. It was, yeah, build up again, and so I think I've started three or four times over, but that's part of the fun. And yeah, a bit of variety. Yeah, well, you got a good story to tell, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But uh, we're we're settled, Stavanger. Anya's uh, teaching, um, so she's working with uh, special pedagogi uh, pedagogical, working with some children with some uh, behavior issues or um, uh, learning difficulties. Yeah, like remedial kind of stuff. Yeah, because they all, it's a combined education system. So, And that's why we didn't want to move this time around. It was uh, too good an opportunity for Anya. So, yeah. Sure, sure, so yeah. I just commute now back and forward from Ed to Edinburgh, funny enough. Oh, wow. Okay. So I'm based in Edinburgh, but I, I live in Norway. Oh, wow. And how often do you... Okay, besides what's happening now, how often do you um, commute? So, yeah, we normally... Uh, it's roughly a two-on, two-off or three-on, three-off. And I've just been rotating like that. Okay. And we're, 
linked to six universities around the North Sea. So we're doing an energy system, we're linking the North Sea. So we're in uh, Denmark, Germany, Netherlands, uh, UK, Norway, and Sweden. And I just move around uh, th those countries and universities, industry, and uh, we are connecting through the North Sea, through subsea cables. We're connecting everybody up eventually. eventually. That's the plan. Okay. That's the plan. So we'll see. It's just the research bit now. So Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then, uh, so like now with the things that are happening now, uh, obviously all of that comes come to a bit of a standstill in terms of commuting. Well, yes. So I was lucky. I, um, I was due to be back in Norway. I, I trained at another university here in Norway, uh, in Trondheim, just a little bit north. And uh, I was due to be there for two weeks. And on the Thursday morning, uh, my wife called and said um, they're closing the schools one o'clock. I think it was the 12th or 13th of March, uh, 12th, Thursday. And I got the last flight Friday morning. I told the boss I'll have to make a pit stop on the way uh, up to the training. And that's when they started to cancel everything. Schools closed, universities closed. And on the 16th, they announced um, restrictions at the border. There were no international flights as such, um, European, most of the flights would come in and to bring people home and uh that was it and and when i arrived back they said right you need to go directly home and quarantine for 14 days okay um and that's that's where we started and then they announced from the 16th it was till um originally i think it was just for two weeks and then they extended now till post easter okay and now it's 26th of april okay um, the schools are starting to open up uh, some of the kindergartens. Um, they were running them for essential workers, but it's starting to open up now. Uh, but we're still doing online schooling, which was a bit of a mission mm. uh, for the kids. Yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so South Africa's been pretty much on a similar timeline, eh? Yeah. Um, yeah and yeah, it was so sudden. It was. Yeah, I was, I, look, I was quite surprised, to be honest, you know, based on how decisions are made in this country normally. I was I was very very impressed that uh, Cyril had uh, yeah pulled the trigger. I, I think they uh, did it early enough and to 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 get control. Whereas it can be argued Norway seems to be doing very well with the situation under the circumstances, but yeah. there are other countries that have waited a little bit longer and they're struggling. Mm. And uh, so yeah, South Africa made some uh, tough calls, and, and I think early enough. Um, yeah. So I mean, you heard you heard that they've extended it until the end of April, right? Yeah. Mm. So uh, I mean, we're already talking. Like I said, they may open schools and that, but the international borders and the international flights that will take a long time to reestablish. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, some are talking May, June, even mm. for certain legs, uh, certain routes. Um, so the universities they they don't think they'll see people back before August. Yeah, just uh, summer to you know get through the summer leave. And yeah, and I mean, how does that affect your work in terms of? No, so we just change everything to desktop study now. So yeah. you bring forward certain elements of the program that you can do from home. And funny enough, I think some things are working better. The the modeling meetings, the software meeting, the the math online training. There's a lot more free courses, uh, and there's a lot more groups getting together. And it sort of forced them uh, into working online and, and making that digital leap. 
Whereas before it was too easy to say, oh, we'll join, we'll meet for a conference, we'll meet here. Now you haven't got that choice. Yeah, yeah. So I think uh, they've actually accelerated the transition. What they had in mind for the future is happening now. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I mean, even from our point of view, uh, you know, I, I get a bit frustrated because um, over the years, uh, just technology, collaboration tools, um, infrastructure, like broadband and all that kind of stuff has just been continually improving. But there's been this continual pushback to allowing yeah. people to work remotely. Now, yeah. I don't I don't live far away from the office. It takes me 20, 20, maybe 30 minutes to get to the office in the morning and in the evening or whatever. But I, I must be I must be honest, I, I operate much better at home. Yeah. From a productivity point of view, it just works better for me. And yeah. um, you know, so occasionally if I've got something that I got to work on, I need to concentrate on, I'll message my boss and say I'm going to be working from home and all that. Yeah. And over the last couple of years, it's become a little bit more like taboo to be doing it for some reason. Mm. Not too sure why. Like, you know, like we've always had, uh, well, not always, we've had changes in terms of, you know, the structure that we fall under and all that kind of stuff. So it seems like that's come along, uh, you know, that kind of pushback has come along with that new structure that we that we fit into. Um, mm. Whereas, you know, like you'll have some departments that are a little bit more progressive a little bit more open-minded and um, ahead of the curve in a way with these kind of yep. things on how things, you know, how to work and all that kind of thing. Um, and in others, they're a little bit behind. And I think what's happened now is that, they, well, they had no choice but to let yep. us work from home. And a lot of people have commented, I mean, there are some negatives, but a lot of the people have commented on the amount of communication that is happening that mm. it's increased and then it's a lot clearer and a lot, you know, people know exactly what you're talking about a lot of it is you can go back and refer to it because it was a message or it was a a, a meeting that was recorded that hi. kind of stuff hi hi <laughs> hello this is anya hello hi hi, hi anya this is sophia and alexander hey so this is the uh, this, this is, is the, the family yeah awesome man <laughs> this is my buddy andrew from south africa yeah from a long long time ago <laughs> <laughs> yeah good night good night good night see you later good night <laughs> i promise them a safari when i turn 50. we're gonna we're gonna get them to south africa yo dude that's that's just around the corner it is <laughs> and now do i feel old uh dude uh you know what um yeah age is just a number uh, i know i know, I know. I was, I was but it's but yeah it, it, it's all good it's uh getting the balance and uh yeah so i'm i'm with the time at home but like you say working from home we've had more time with the kids yes we've been involved much more with their schooling where we were engaged before yes uh but we've sat down, we've done things, we've talked, we did scratch programming with the kids and we've had home projects and it's been fantastic. Yeah, so that's great. Yeah. I don't, so, but even working, it was the trust factor. Absolutely. And, and I think what you, like you were saying, there was a bit of a taboo and it's, it's different people work at different and, and different times of day works for them. And 
So we try to have a flexi office. You know, you, you should be in between 10 and 2 for the main meetings. What what you do either side of that's up to you, and you can take them on call. And, but uh, Norway, we were very lucky, very family-orientated. No overtime as such. It was, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, so we've, we've had a good balance here. Oh, that's great. But this has worked better for us. Um, it, homeschooling took a while to get used to. <laughs> so different methods, different, yeah. different systems, yeah, different language. Right. So, uh, yeah, so it's good for me. I learned Norwegian. <laughs> <laughs> so how is your new Norwegian? It's all right. It's functional, it's semi-functional. Functional. Okay. Um, I'm, I did the full course. That was another reason why I went back to school. Um, I could see 2016 we were going to need, um, if you wanted to qualify permanent residence with one, but if you wanted to stay longer, uh, maybe you can take citizenship, you're going to need the language. And so, that, yeah, so we'll see how it all pans out. But uh, yeah, with the kids, I had to learn with the kids. This is okay. year two for them at school, and I had to get up to speed. Sure, um, sure. So are they are they like bilingual? Yeah, uh, yeah. trilingual, Russian, Norwegian, Tri- oh, English. Really? So, so I, uh, yeah. Remind me, is your is your wife from Russian? No, she's from Ukraine. Oh, from Ukraine. Uh, oh, yeah. Ooh. So, uh, and they in the area they come from predominantly Russian. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah. So, so a good mate of mine is a Ukrainian, a guy that I work with. We ride bikes together and all that kind of stuff. Well, Oleg. He's on your yeah. He's on your live chats and yeah, that's uh, it. A, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. It's a fantastic country. I've been uh, the the kids and and you go back every summer. I've, I've maybe every third year I, I I've popped up. Okay. I was there last year. Oh fantastic. wow! Yeah. yeah, yeah. I believe it's beautiful there. Yeah. yeah. So great. it's a small world, but uh, yeah, but even in Norway they have Russian, uh, you know, on the borders up north. Um, okay. So uh, the kids are quite comfortable. They, That's great. Uh, so how's your Russian? <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> Not functional. <laughs> I go by tone. If I catch the tone, I'm sort of get okay. Yeah. <laughs> There's a job inbounds. They're busy prepping the job. Uh, I, I learned a little bit, but not, not yeah. enough. Yeah, yeah, sure. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So how old are yeah. your kids now? Uh, turned eight in February. Okay. So they cool. their birthday under... Quarantine, uh, no, hang on, 20th. Uh, yeah, it wasn't quarantine then. But we were, they were talking about restrictions. Yeah. Uh, but I was, back, I was back in February for that. Um, yeah, then, yeah, we've had a couple of birthdays under quarantine. Uh, so it made it all more special. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> but they ate year two. Um, so they are, they've got their own Google Chromebooks. Yeah. Uh, uh, streets ahead of where we were uh, yeah. i wish i hadn't given them touch screens though because it plays havoc with the rest of the computers in the house because they keep on trying to yeah, the screen. <laughs> this, this is not a touch screen <laughs> but uh we're getting there yeah so my my youngest daughter she's also their school's also google, uh, google classroom chromebook yeah. the whole tit and i mean that was the beginning of beginning of last year that they implemented that so like now the transition for them to working, you know, schooling from home is, yeah, you know, pretty much, you know, um, they've got the tools. They're probably yeah. using it more than they were before, but they had the yeah. tools set up. Whereas my yeah. eldest in the school that she's in, they've they're not really, they didn't really go that route. 
um, yeah. but they've had to make a plan. So they're doing Zoom calls like this. Yep. And uh, that kind of stuff, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, interesting time. I mean, uh, I, I mean, my eldest is in matric, eh? So what a wow. year to be in matric when yep. this shit is going down. Yeah, so I mean, well, she's going to, I mean, her matric farewell dance has been pushed out until August. Don't even know if it's going to happen. Yeah. I'm sure yeah. it will, but yep. I mean, it's just it's like, just yeah. So imagine like when we think back to our matric year, we've got like all these milestones and things that we remember yeah. and everything. I mean, I mean, guess what she's going to be remembering? Oh, and this, this? she'll remember for like, but hopefully they remember all the good things. Yeah, that yeah, came out. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think actually people have handled it pretty well no, I think uh, they on have, the whole. Yeah. Yeah. I've, uh, I've been quite, I mean, we, the rules here were no, uh, no groups larger than five, which is the standard size of the Norwegian family. So you could understand and, but people have still been able to exercise and out and about and you can't stop the kids from uh, meeting up on the playground and that, but on the whole, everybody got a balance and everybody was sensible and uh, yeah. I think it'll work out. But I think I think you guys are a little bit more disciplined uh, in those kind of countries than here. Um, they've obviously the restrictions are a lot heavier here. I mean, we're not yeah. allowed to. We can go from the house to the supermarket, the house okay. to the pharmacy. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, even though they may have had a little bit more freedom, I think people themselves were trying to be sensible about it and restrict themselves. Oh, we've had odd exceptions and. Yeah. But on the whole, uh, I've been pretty impressed. Um, well, they've been keeping. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I, you know, when I go to the supermarket, it's like going there on the weekend. It's no different. Okay. Which, That's which cool. I find very strange because um, beforehand, I mean, I didn't like go and stock up like, like yeah. you know, it was um, the apocalypse was coming. But I mean, I bought enough food to keep me going for a week and a bit, and you know, odds yeah. and ends and all that kind of stuff. And so I didn't go to this. I, I didn't leave the house. For a week. Yeah. Like, I mean, I go outside yeah. into the garden and all that. But, I mean, I yeah. didn't climb in my car and no. go up the road for a week. And it was actually quite weird when I did do it. It was like, well, oh, you know, like you felt, like I realized it was a whole week that I hadn't been out. And when yeah. I got to the shops, I was quite surprised at how many people there were. And then also social distancing. I mean, I'm like very conscious. I'm giving people their space and whatever. Other people, yeah. they don't care. Boy, they're like in your space. And I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. But no, we've, we've, we, we have had instances and people have flouted the rules a bit. And, uh, but uh, then again, uh, you were saying people have more discipline here as well. They'll approach you and say, you know, please don't do that. Oh, really? Yeah. 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 They're okay. very open and it's not confrontation, but they will discuss. They will discuss yeah. with people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just to rectify. Uh, but, but it works. Um, That's good. Yeah. That's good. Um, so they kept the numbers down. Um, it, it's, it seems to be working. So I think that sacrifice was worth it. Yeah. yeah. Look, also, I mean, for us, for us, we like, I'm starting to worry about, okay, what's the effect going to be on the economy of South Africa? Because, I mean, we, yeah. we're already quite borderline. Yeah. And we've just been downgraded again. Uh, the uh, Rand dollar has yeah. gone for a ball of shit. Yeah. No, it it will have implications. It will have impacts, uh, but it, we will build up again. Um, we will build up again. So uh, 
I think we just a bit of, some consequences rough with the smooth. Yeah. Um, no, look, I think I think we'll be fine, but I think there are some people that are going to be casualties of war in this whole thing, uh, like yeah. the small businesses. I mean, just think about okay, I mean, a lot of my mates are musicians, got their own businesses, you know, whether it's a barbershop or yeah. a motorcycle yeah. tour company or, you know, that kind of stuff. They're sitting at home doing nothing. They're trying to pivot, yeah. and of, you know, which I mean. That's great. And I suppose in a way it's, you know, this kind of thing does force you to become creative about how you conduct your business and how you can pivot and and, and, yeah. and make things work for you. But I don't think it's that easy. No, they, they needed some help, um, the businesses, and they, they could not, they couldn't be expected to survive without cash flow. Uh, so there have been some packages in place. The biggest problem they had here is the, the, the staff. I mean, obviously, if you're not able to run your business, it's uh, how much staff you can keep on. But the, there was a bit of negotiation package to help support the staff uh, to keep some people on the books. However, a lot had to go um, redundancy. Oh, wow. But aid into a welfare system where that is there, that, that safety net is there if they yes. need it. So they are lucky in that respect. However, it, they have paid into that and it has been used. It's the highest rate of unemployment in Norway since uh, the 1930s. Wow. Jeez. So, it puts it in uh, perspective, eh? Yeah. Um, I mean, there are some loans, uh, for, but again, a loan's a loan. You know, you've got to pay that back eventually. So, you, you, you know, you're banking on, uh, you know, generating a sufficient business in the future to, to pay back on those loans. And yeah. so there's a risk, there's a risk associated with that. So it, it's tricky. Um, yeah. But I also see there'll be some opportunities for some people. Some people might try something differently. This is the time maybe they can change their business uh, model. They might be able to work it a different way, try something else. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, the sad reality is that some, some companies will... Uh, um, not survive and that it's yeah. it's sad mm. um but we'll see we'll see this will all come out in the wash as we uh i as don't time, know trick. yeah as time goes by yeah mm. we've uh no we i mean the oil and gas had just recovered there's somebody was just saying today I've, when I've, most of there's always somebody working oil and gas around us but they were they were just starting to recover and here we go again and then the oil price crashed and everything's yeah. associated um so we'll, we'll see so those if they were even a little bit fragile uh they'll struggle but, yeah um, exactly but when everybody's in it together then it, it, when it starts to build up hopefully we'll pull the suppliers through with us as well and yeah but it is uh it's, it's going to be some hardship yeah that's, sure, that's the, sure. yeah yeah and your and and your family, or like, where's your sister? So she's uh, Pretoria. Okay, she's still in South Africa. She's still in okay. South Africa. She's working um, uh, as an advocate now. Mm. Um, still on corporate law, trademarks, um, and yeah, she's she's uh, having a good career. That's good. Uh, so uh, she came over for Christmas, so that was really good. Oh, that's had, nice. Uh, did you have no, yeah. Christmas in Norway? Yeah. So uh, 
we, we, that's why when we, when we came to planning all the meals and everything now, it was easy because we'd been, we had rehearsals <laughs> through Christmas and then we had uh, friends and uh, family over from Germany. Yeah. And then, uh, and then we had uh, family visited from China and your sister visited, um, and they are now stuck in Norway. Oh. They can't get, yeah. Oh, wow. So they, they originally came for two weeks and, uh, it's been six weeks. So we're busy, um, yeah, we're just waiting to see when the routes will open and they've uh, been doing online schooling and, and your sister's a teacher as well at one of the international yeah. schools in China. Oh, wow. And, but they haven't been able to get home. Wow. And so when did they come to Norway? So they arrived uh, February 14th. Okay. That's why I was trying to work out. It wasn't the quarantine here, but they had just made it out of China. Because I wrote to Anya, I was uh, in it, I says, Anya, there's something breaking out in China. It, it looks like they're going for lockdown and restrictions on travel. I don't think your sister will be, uh, will make it. Yeah. Uh, they made it out of China, but then they were held over uh, Abu Dhabi for a couple of days. Um, and then they're allowed to continue travel. And uh, then when we were, they were due to fly home, the, the advice was um, no travel unless it's essential. Um, so you, you know, you try to do the right thing, postpone ticket or reroute, and uh, then everything started to close down. And then just as they were due to travel home, China closed. So I'm like, okay. <laughs> so the the twins are ecstatic because now they've got aunt here, a uh, cousin that's, here. That's great. Happy, happy. <laughs> so, uh, uh, it's funny how these things uh, work out. Eh? But I mean, yeah. what? Um, so when they were in China. I mean, what was yeah. the what was the vibe in China before they left? It was uh, pretty much restricted to that one area, Wuhan. Um, yeah. But they were closing down the cities, uh, and but there was people were being tested. It wasn't as so. This would have been February the yeah, around about February tenth when they left. Uh, but it, there wasn't any talk about. Um, lockdown or anything like that, that that you know you could still travel if you were to travel back obviously they will you know you self-quarantine and uh but slowly the whole system seized up uh, yeah but they they took action and uh it was very disciplined action and, and uh, so it was quite strict and um they you know it's you were only allowed an hour a week to go for your shopping and it was all controlled and temperature control and it was a lot more measures than what i've seen in the rest of the world yeah um, might reflect in their numbers i don't know um it, it i was it too late when they called a lot you know the, that's up for debate yeah. um yeah. It, uh, yeah well i mean a lot of the, a lot of people are saying um that this is probably just the dress rehearsal for the next one Oof. Yeah. Can you imagine? Well, what do you, well, the, I mean, if, if people can learn lessons and, you know, even the BBC were running some programs where they, um, they showed what a pandemic would look like and, you know, how it would spread. And, and if, if this was made in 2017, you think, well, if we didn't learn or we didn't put these measures in place, um, but that's always, you know, short, short term memories. Yeah. And, uh, you cut costs and you don't invest in the right areas. Yeah, so. uh, that's right. I mean, I was looking at uh, the stats around the world and I saw that um, South Korea has been very effective at um, flattening the curve. 
Yeah. And uh, I think I might get my numbers wrong here, but they were testing up to 20,000 people a day. Yeah. So it looks like, <clears throat> and then what they're doing then is they're then tracking the people that have been yeah. tested positive, what the areas they're in, they're notifying mm. people. Yeah. So that seems yeah. that, you know, that's also another way of, of, of um, controlling it is, is having yeah. lots and lots of information about real information about yeah. who's got it, where the hotspots are, and dealing with those areas specifically. Whereas here, I mean, in South Africa, yes, we've locked down early, we've flattened the curve quite a bit, we've extended the yeah. lockdown, but the question is, like, we're only really testing people that we think yeah. that tick the boxes symptoms etc 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 whereas there could be l people walking around that you don't even know that they've got it they don't have any symptoms but they are contagious they will be spreading um, yeah. yeah they will be spreading it so by doing this kind of lockdown that's great in terms of controlling that but going back to the whole economy thing you have to put a put the brakes on everything to yeah. allow this sort of lockdown whereas um if you look at south korea they going the testing route, yeah, and and the reason why they were prepared to be able to do testing at the scale that they're doing it is apparently they were badly hit by MERS, which is the Middle Eastern yeah, um, yeah. respiratory syndrome thing, and they put measures in place yeah. after that, so that when this hit now they were they were in a very very good position to be able to do large scale testing. So I don't know, yeah. maybe that's a lesson for the rest of it. Because I'm sure, hopefully, the countries are going to be looking back on all the stats and all that kind of stuff and then seeing what works and what didn't work. Yeah. And then so that the and next time something happens, you know, they've just got a little bit more knowledge on how to deal with it effectively. And I'm just glad to see some of the good news that came out of it, how they did try to prepare, uh, you know, temporary hospitals and, and the rolling out the testing. I mean, you look at Germany, we're very successful rolling mm. out... Uh, and the lessons from countries that were struggling, they were communicating that. Uh, did it fall on deaf ears? That's what, I mean, when you read the papers today, some of the, some of the lessons that Italy and Spain had, they were trying to tell Europe, be ready, forewarned, be prepared. So I get the feeling sometimes the politicians were building it up. Oh, we've done this, this measure's in place, that measure's in place. And Sometimes you think this is lip service in certain sectors. I mean, they were struggling with PPE and all call out to the 3D printing. Oh, yeah. I know you got a call for that as well. Yeah. Um, desperate times, desperate measures. They, but at least some of that fed through and people did respond and there, there were things put in place. And I, that was that was good, uh, good yeah. positive feedback. Yeah, sure. sure. But, but, um, We'll see. I, you know, the UK, I follow that news quite closely. I can see they're struggling now mm. and uh, bigger numbers. And uh, and now when they afterwards, they'll look back and they'll say, did they make the right decisions at the right time? You know, yeah. hindsight 2020, but uh, they can look back and say, okay. Yeah. And wh uh, what's the latest news on Boris? He's, he's out now. Uh, he's home. He, he'll take a while to convalesce, but uh, the, the best statement he came out with, and I'm hoping they didn't put spin on this, but he thanked the NHS for saving his life yeah. and the care they got. I know the rest of the world was saying, how can the prime minister go onto a national health system? And, but that's the way it is. And, and they pulled through and they've delivered fantastic service. Oh, and I know a couple of people working in the NHS and they're working hard uh, around the clock on this. Mm. And 
you know, it, it's celebrating all the all the all the people who were uh, who were ill that have recovered. You know, that's those numbers don't always come through sufficiently. That's true. You yeah. don't see you don't see the good work that's being done. Yeah, sure, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and your folks are your folks still in the UK? They are. They they um, so they move back. Um, look after their, you know, older brothers and sisters, moms and dads, and so they were back. And uh, they took early. Well, it was uh, the mines with all the mergers acquisitions. It was yeah. pension. Yeah. So they, they, you know, when when some of the collieries were folding around around Woodbank, they just said, right, that's it. Um, and they had some responsibilities back home. And funny enough, uh, they they travelled to South Africa for a holiday. So I think I'm they'll not. be on an extended holiday. <laughs> <laughs> so they now in lockdown but my sister just moved so she'll be happy for the company and the support so you're folks in in, in south uh, africa yeah. at the moment and now, yeah holy shit so wow. they are uh they they just popped in for a few weeks and uh <laughs> that's uh, yeah turned into a few more <laughs> but oh that's funny yeah, oh well, that's cool yeah. though that's cool though extended visit with the uh, daughter yeah huh? yeah and yeah so after Christmas, we've had all the kids on on Skype, and you know, so so they've got good contact now, and and everybody's in a similar situation. So it's uh, you know they can exchange some stories and some tips on how to survive uh, the lockdown. Yes. Uh, yeah. So yeah, they don't know when uh, it will open up. They were just yeah. contacted to say your flight is cancelled. Uh, do you want a voucher? And we'll be in touch. Shit. But I mean that's so, a good point. I mean, I mean, for international flights to get going again, who knows when that's going to happen, eh? Yeah, uh, I mean, it, it's quick to shut down, but it's a long time to build. Yeah, up. absolutely. Uh, but at least a three or four week lag. That's when everything's allowed. Um, mm. Plus, packed, not as many flights, so full flights. Yeah. But even when they offer vouchers. I said the prices are going to be so ridiculous, and they'd say you'll pay a fair difference. Yes. Uh, this will there'll be some shocks. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. You get up and running. Yeah. Shit. I mean, like we haven't but even it, thought about all of that kind of stuff yet. Yeah. yeah. But, but all the staff, everybody's been laid off. Now you've got to bring people back. I mean, they talk of the new term furlough. You know, where they. Yeah. It's uh, standby to come back type of thing. And, but, Will everybody want to? And yeah, know. it's crazy, man. Crazy new times, uh, new times. Yeah, so I think it it was quick to get into the situation, but I think it's going to take longer take to come out. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, and um, I mean, we were talking about motorcycles. Ah, do you? Yeah, if I remember correctly. You said to me, "Did you have a bike in the UK?" Yes. Yeah. Is uh, it still in the, in the UK or do you have one in Norway now? Well, I imported it. So okay. I, I took the plunge. You uh, pay the import tax uh, and you pay on the value of the bike. But okay. uh, when you, it was still low mileage and the first bike. And I thought I bought it to grow old on it. One yeah. of the, quite a cafe racer, but uh, on those lines. And yeah. I thought, right, I can grow old on this. I'll import it. It was, was a Triumph Legend. Triumph, Triumph Legend. Yeah. So, so what is it? Similar, the, is it a 1200 or a 900? 900, 900. Uh, and a two, 2000 model. Okay. So 20, 20 years old now. Oh. So, yeah. so did it, but, is it fuel injector or still, did it have carbs? Carbs. Oh, nice. 
So that's it's better. And Much I want better. To, yeah. <laughs> the little little bit high maintenance, literally, but uh, <laughs> but uh, low mileage. And I actually took it back to the UK. Uh, I was doing the commute while I was there, yeah. and it was to ride back. Uh, so I rode it through Denmark, Germany, Holland. And then I was coming back that route. Like I say, we're, we're all over the North Sea region at the moment. Yeah. Uh, but when this hit, that was it. Ferries cancelled, bikes garaged. Uh, okay. So now, yeah, we'll, we'll see when I pick her up again. So, yeah. So, so where's the bike physically now? UK. I got it UK? as far as uh, Sunderland. <laughs> so it's, uh, I'm about 20 miles from the ferry from Newcastle to uh, Amsterdam. So, it, I got as far as that, but when they cancelled, I thought I'm going to end up getting stranded in Europe. Or uh, so I thought, okay, leave the bike, yeah, catch a flight. <laughs> uh, I've garaged it uh, back home. Yeah, okay, that's cool. Then. So but you're on a couple of bikes. You've uh, you had a yeah. I've got of, uh, yeah. I've got three at the moment. Okay. I've got uh, I've got the 78 BM, which is the 800 yep. the R80. And then I've got the 1200 GS. And then I, yep. about 18 months ago, I picked up a Royal Enfield, a 500cc. Single pot thumper. Yeah, very, very nice bike to ride. I, it's, I've had some issues with it. I bought it from a friend of mine at work. Um, yeah. It's only got 12,000 kilometers on it. Not wow. even 12,000 kilometers on it. So this guy bought it brand new back yeah. in 2006, I think it was. It's a 2006 yeah. model. So it's still carb, old, yeah. it's, you know, obviously not. Um, so it's basically the 1970s spec. Uh, yeah. No power, but what a, what a jewel to ride because it is so easy to ride. Uh, it's even, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's just very easy to ride. You don't go very, very far very quickly. Um, yeah. But I actually bought it so that my girls could learn how to ride bikes. Because um, I think it's a very good bike for them to learn on. Um, yeah. it's uh, it's not a 250cc, but it's basically very. It's n not yeah. much more powerful than a 250, but it's a it's a solid bike. It's heavy bike. It's not a yeah, well engineered. They'll yeah. uh, you've set the bar high for them now. Now that <laughs> so I like I had this I had this idea in my head because I mean I picked it up for a good price from this this buddy of mine, um, and I had this idea in my head that I'd buy another one. So I'd have two mm. Royal Enfields, one for each of them, and then my R80. And like in my in the back of my mind, I've got this vision of us going and doing a road trip around South Africa, father and daughters. Yeah. yeah. Just going nowhere slowly kind of thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, but um, they still need to learn how to ride because I've had some problems with the bike. So what happened was when I first got it um, – the bike was in Kimberley. I got it shipped up to Johannesburg. And the guy had said to me that he had got it serviced and the guys had done something. They had broken the carb and they had brazed it back together. And he said, since then, it just does not go. It's, it goes, but yeah. then it gets to a certain level and it just doesn't go any faster. So I said to him, oh, don't worry, well, I'll, I'll, I'll sort it out. You know. So uh, when I got the bike, I could see what they'd done with the carb is that basically it was one of the like supports on the side had mm. snapped off <clears throat> and they had brazed it back on again. But what I eventually found out what had happened was when they obviously when they were heating it up, the diaphragm 
had mm-hmm. buckled, bulged, expanded, and obviously yeah. had a hole into it somewhere. So I, I got a new a new um a new diaphragm, put that in, and the bike was going like a bone. It was going so well. And then all of a sudden it had this like every now and again it would be missing and ah uh, like and then all of a sudden that one day it just stopped. And I was okay. like, what the hell's going on? And there's no spark. So I'm looking and I'm t- and eventually I, I I replaced the the coil. I actually yeah. um, got a coil from the UK. A friend of mine brought it back for me. Put that coil in stool. Fucking the thing doesn't want to. Yes, dude, you won't believe it. Uh, like six months down the line, fiddling with stuff, changing cables, stripping the carb, putting the car back in again, new spark plugs, new ah oh, fucking everything, dude. Yeah. Uh, even even the even the alternator the 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 magneto uh, I can I took that thing I drained the oil tested everything everything's fine what the fuck's going on <laughs> side stand switch uh, wow so Tell like with enough. my bike oh. with my with yeah. with my twelve hundred gears when the side stands out it yeah. the 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 um the oh, gear you can't put it in gear. Yeah, it won't even stop. Nothing turns. Nothing turns. Ah, it's like okay, so it's dead. Feature. Whereas yeah. the the infield, the starter turns. Yeah. Right? It's just no it's spark. Just so spark. what it does, the side stand switch, it's it it's um yeah. cuts the spark. And I mean yeah. typical Indians, I don't know if it came from when it was still a British bike or whatever, typical Indians, they've got a bypass. Like yeah. a, a proper in the manual. They tell you, okay, you take this wire, you take this wire, you put them together, you bypass the the um, the side stand switch. So eventually, I went back and read the fucking manual. And there yeah. it was. And I was like, okay, well, I've tried everything else. Let me try this. Fired up first time. I'm yeah. like, holy shit. But now the problem is, <clears throat> it's been standing for so long. The, um, the unleaded fuel... I can went turned to jelly inside the carb, right? And actually yeah. pitted yeah. the carb inside. So I've cleaned it out and all that kind of stuff, but it just it just doesn't run hundred percent now. Yeah. No, so I, I I know when they winterize them and the people used to laugh and used to drain down and empty the carb and that and people used, you know would think, Oh, that's overkill. And they think, yeah, this stands too long, it will if, yeah, if it no, full minutes nasty. Yeah, no, I mean it's like it it was almost like a wax. Yeah. Inside that, inside that, um, that carb, and I mean, I, you know, modern bikes are almost like engineered for that in a way. Whereas old bikes, which have got carburetors, they don't, they're not used to having this fancy fuel with all their additives and all that shit sitting inside yeah. there. So anyway, so I don't know, I don't know what's going on there. It it, it goes, but then after a while, it starts missing, and it's like almost mm. like it's been starved of fuel. It's like fuel starvation, and I've check your jet. Uh, it'll clog. I've stripped that thing umpteen yeah. times. I've pumped so much flipping carb cleaner in there, and <clears throat> it works for a while, and then it starts starts its shit again. I'm actually thinking I'm gonna take a, I'm gonna take the knock and buy a brand new um, carb. Carb. Because the carb needs to be replaced anyway, because it's it's already had had a moment where it's been broken, mm. and I was yeah. thinking I was gonna get a new carb anyway. So I might as well just um, 
uh, bite, the bite the bullet. But the problem now is how the fuck do I get it from the UK? We're gonna have to. Right. Uh, yeah. yeah. So it's anyway. It's it's fun. It's it's not the end of the world. Not the end of the world. No, but uh, you know, simple things like sites that I've seen them. Uh, you know, you read all the forums now, but thank goodness for all the internet forums. You, yes. you find out something from there. Stood on the side of the road, turning over. Um, oh, well, this one was uh, wouldn't start. Lights on, no faults, no start. Side stand uh, switch had gone. That's it, and you are stuck. <laughs> so, but you know, you'd think that say check this. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, it's, it's just, yeah, but also the thing is, when I found now with the internet is there's too much information. Yeah, so it's like, everything's due. Yeah, and you take, you take forever to sift through yeah. until you find you the thing that you're looking for, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, it's got its pros uh, and cons, eh? I had the same, and with the triple, it was coils, and then I thought, well, if one's down, the three are going to go, so you, return, you replace all three, all and three, then yeah. when you do that, do all the leads, and, you know, and then the, the problem came back, and lo and behold, on the carburetor, the little vacuum, on the little rubber stopper on the vacuum that they used to balance the carbs, yeah, it had cr- uh, so it was breathing, yes, and it was missing, and you would never find it. We tuned and tuned and tuned, yes, and a little rubber stopper on top yeah. of the vacuum hose, yeah. and luckily someone found it, you know, <laughs> and for a couple of bucks you're back on the road, yeah. and you're like, wow, yeah, we've had this apart. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Yeah. But anyway, I mean that's part of the fun. Yeah? That's part of the fun. Yeah. 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 So my you, did gentleman, you, you, you did the gentleman's yeah? I did it I did it two years ago. I mean, but now you gotta hear the story. So what happens is my old BMW stood for a while while I was in between houses. And yeah. um when I got it going again, it you know, because I picked up that that um old BM in twenty eleven. And I didn't really do much to it, mechanically. Yeah. Um, the, the the tank had rusted through, so I got that redone, resprayed. Um, you know, new. Uh, I think I put what uh, I changed some of the carb stuff. So like, I put new needles in, put new gaskets in, but I didn't really strip the carb and replace everything. Mm-hmm. I just did the the bare essentials. Uh, what else did I? New battery, drained the oil, and that was basically it. Eh? So I maybe I spent. I don't know, six or seven thousand rand on the bike to get it going, and then it—I didn't touch that bike um, for years, four or five years. I didn't have to do anything to it, and um, then it stood for a while, and then yeah. it just then it went after that. It just things were not just you know the timing chain was starting to make a noise, and anyway, so I decided to take a bit of a knock, and a buddy of mine said to me, "Hey, dude, DGR's coming." And he's got a uh, an old Harley, a 1966 Harley. And he said, dude, yeah. we've got to get your bike going for the DGR. So we, t- I took it to his place. He's got a, uh, like a nice workshop with a workbench and everything. Mm. We put the bike up on the w- and we started hacking away at the bike. And like, say twice, twice, twice a week, I would go to his spot, tinker on the bike, put three or four hours into the bike and everything. It was good fun. Eh? Yes, we had some Pretty really good laughs then. And um, yeah, so then I got it to say like almost like 90% done. And then there were like one or two things that were left over that um, you needed special tools for to open, you know, to open the stuff up. And um, I know the guy uh, 
here in, um, in Robertsham in Johannesburg who, who restores BMW motorcycles. And I mean, he, I buy all my spares from him and he's always giving me advice on how to fix certain things and whatever. And eventually I said to him, listen, dude, I'm going to bring the bike to you. Just finish it off for me because the DGR is coming. And yeah, I got it ready for the DGR. And I mean, we had a blast. Eh? And the bike was going like a Boeing. I put a uh, new exhaust on it, uh, stainless steel yeah. exhausts, but they look like the originals. They're like yeah. replicas, but they free flows. So it sounds amazing. Yeah. <laughs> but, then, but then the DGR, the year after that, the buddy of mine, he moved down to Cape Town. And then he said, oh, he was going to be up for business. So, and by then I had the infield. So I said, well, okay, he'll do the infield and I'll ride the old BM. And then, yeah. dude, the morning that we were supposed to go, both the bikes wouldn't go. Ah. The infield did it, did it finally gave in, you know, with yeah. its missing and all that. Sunday morning, done. Um, the BM, for some reason, it had started backfiring on the one side. And we were tinkering with it the day before, and we thought we had got it right. Sunday morning, nothing. So, yeah, we didn't do the DGR. And then this last DGR last year, I said to him, okay, I'll tell you what, I'm going to come down to Cape Town, and we'll do the DGR down there. And uh, so he's got two Harleys, so he'll ride the, the 66, and I'll drive the, 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 the 1200 Sportster that he's got. The weather fucked us. It pissed with rain, dude. And the wind was pumping. It was like, I don't know, something ridiculous, like 80 k's an hour, you know? Yeah. But fortunately, we had seen that the weather was going to be shit. So the Saturday, we did a ride. And the, it was beautiful weather. And we basically yeah. did a similar route to what the DJ yeah. was going to do. So we got it in, but we just didn't Good do the DGR. Yeah. Uh, have you done any of the DGRs? No, I've, uh, I plan to. Mine was also issues before the ride and then i i had a little bit of a run-in with triumph the local triumph dealer and i thought oh. i'm not sport. but then i left because <coughs> the word went out they said uh they thought i was this super do uh, sponsored rider and i'm like i so I, they were like we're gonna get your bike ready we understand that you've got sponsor and i didn't have any of that <laughs> i googled it there's an andrew kilmartin another one in johannesburg yes who runs gr and i he was saw the that he was the top uh, sponsored. I saw that last sponsors. year. I saw that last year. And I like almost for a moment, I thought it was you. Yeah. Uh, and then I actually uh, wanted to contact you and say, hey, dude, by the way, there's this dude. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's a small world. I thought, yeah. uh, I thought rare name and, you know, but yeah. uh, there we go. Something to it because they just said, oh, we hear you're sponsored by a DGR. And I'm like, I mentioned that I wanted to ride it, like Lola, and I'm like, I'm just saying, okay, get the oh, bike ready. Shit. Oh, fuck, oh, dude, I remember seeing that, and I wanted to contact you yeah. and let you know, but uh, yeah. that's funny. Yeah, but I mean, but who I, would have thought that there would be two Andrew Kilmartins around, eh? Yeah, there you go. I yeah. thought it was unique. Yeah? Uh, yeah. It's better <laughs> Johannesburg. I thought, well, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I uh, thought I thought you were pulling a fast one on all of us and pulling into the uh, country and doing your thing and then disappearing yeah. again uh, no I, if i'm riding a triumph i'll need support so i'll need i'll, I'll let you know when i'm there <laughs> <laughs> i need you to ride ahead and tell, tell people to yeah. send back the pickup so a lot of the guys that i ride with ride triumphs eh? yeah no they, they make a beautiful model yeah. they, yeah. they, i bought mine 2000 it was uh 
it wasn't a demo model, but they'd already registered the bike. So it okay. was a little bit older on the plates. And yeah. But I bought it while I was in the Navy. It only did a thousand miles a year, roughly. And with yeah. being offshore as well, I never used it. And I was fair with a rider here as well. I was yeah. avoiding the rain and uh, not the whole year. And it's being garaged. And that's why I imported it, because I had to look at the condition of some of the bikes here. And for the, you pay a slightly higher tax here, but you, you know the bike, you know the history from new. Mm. And I said to Anya, I said, you know, this the one day the kids will ride it. And, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. Worth, it's worth doing it. Yeah. I'll have to put a sidecar for twins, but uh, yes. yeah, I haven't, I haven't <laughs> taken it. <laughs> but they love it. They've got all their baby photos sitting on the bike. And yeah. It's, it's a, so. Yeah, no, it's, 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 I look, I mean, I, well, I mean, I don't know what you think, but I mean, once you've ridden a motorcycle and you've found that beautiful road and you found that beautiful yeah. destination, I mean, there's nothing better than that. That's for me. fantastic. Yeah. I mean, I did, I did this, um, so I've got, I've, um, hooked up a really, really nice group of guys. Um, yeah. uh, they, uh, fide motor company, they, um, organized like three or four trips a year and they're very very well planned um they're not stressful they're not like club rides they yeah. um just the nice mix of people I, you know i think it's yeah. just happened like that uh, but nice. i mean but those guys are very relaxed and they organize stuff and it's organized but not too organized if you know what i mean and uh i've done but you know the problem with the, with the kids and all that kind of stuff it's you know timing you know, the trips would land up to be on the weekend that I've got my kids. So I would, you know, I would make the decision that, okay, you know what? I'm not going to push out my kids weekend. Yeah. I'm going to spend my time with the kids. And uh, last year, um, I went down to Swaziland with them. And then I went to Sabi with them in, in December. Man, I tell you something, like, when you go on a trip like that, I mean, there's really? nothing better than than, than that. Yeah. I, I can't find any other sort of recreational thing that gives me this exactly the same amount of uh, satisfaction. No, it's a buzz. De yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And it's difficult then to say, okay, well, uh, I'm not riding bikes anymore. Uh, no, now you have to get the girls on their bikes and then yeah. you're going to do that trip. And yeah. then, then it doesn't matter when it falls. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Weather permitting. Weather permitting. Yeah. 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 I mean, but yeah. Look, we're very lucky in South Africa because I mean, if, if there are five days in the year that you can't ride on your bike. Yeah. You know. No, you're right. No, and I, I regret not buying, you know, when we were there for the couple of years, I looked around, I nearly bought while I was there. And then yeah. I took a look at the insurance and I was under 25 then. Yes. And I thought, nah, yeah. this is not a... But I mean, then, I, I mean, but I mean, you were lucky. I mean, when you, when you were growing up and you were in high school and all that, you had lot. You when I say you had bikes. lots of bikes, you had bikes. <laughs> Whereas, like, I was the dude, the first time I owned my own bike was in 2011. Yeah. Because I wasn't allowed to have bikes. It's worth the wait. It's worth the wait. I know, it was worth no. the wait. But that's not to say I wasn't riding bikes back in the day. Was, no, I just didn't I know, own yeah, one. You can't do anything like <laughs> that. Yeah. Uh, well, no, we can... it's when the kid, because my son's asking and my daughter's asking, when did you do this one? I says, well, I got my first bike when I was 11. Yeah. And when uh, it was the private property on the on the mines, and it was sort of tolerated, and as long as you followed the speed limits and had your helmet, and yeah, 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 and, and that was it. And go karts, and you know anything with engines, and it was just go, and you fix it in your garages. And yeah, no. so I can actually remember coming to your spots in Douglas, and yeah. working. Was it was it your 
Was it a DT? Hey, DT. Yeah, that was my DT. Uh, Fifteen. No, but 15. that was all bored out and yeah. fitted and whatever yes. you could do. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, it came from tinkering with a Yamaha when I was eleven, then I think fourteen we had a MT, a Honda MT, and then it was the DT when I was in sixteen. Then it was legal. Yeah. Yeah. Then it was legal. Yeah. 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 And then. Uh, but now you look at the kit 16, they're on 125s. And I'm like, wow. Yeah, and then when I look at a 125 now, it's like, what's that piece of shit? Because, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, imagine riding a 50 now. I mean, yeah. I, see, I don't know. There's so, noise and nothing happens. Well, I suppose it would be very much like the infield. It was like, <laughs> and you're <Okay>. like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, I mean, but back in those days, back in those days, it felt like a big bike. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, it's, uh, I mean, when I bought uh, the Niner, I actually, I mean, there were bigger bikes on the market and this was only a five-speed, but the Niner, I said, that's enough. No, no yeah. more. You don't need it. I mean, uh, but with the Navy, the, some of them are arriving on Hayabusa's and, you know, souped up Kawasaki's and I'm like, it's, it's too much. Yeah. But I mean, like, I, but I suppose you get different people, but like for me, I'm like, what's, for me, it's not fun because when I'm riding, yeah. I want to see the scenery and all that kind of stuff. You buy yourself a super bike or a high-performance yeah. bike like that. The you fun the in it is doing the 200, 300 Ks an hour on it or going to yeah. the track or something like that. That's not my, that's not my vibe. Yeah. No, it's, it's the pleasure of getting made to be uh, the noise and the feel. And, yeah. Yeah. and the older yeah. the style bike, like you say, carburetor noise. And yeah. Yeah, yeah. You, can, you, you get a buzz. I've I've grown an appreciation for Holly Davidsons. I I have to say yeah. I was very anti no. them in the beginning, but they are so much fun to ride. Yeah, I was torn. I I nearly went Harley. It was Harley or Triumph, and then I did the. I was in. You know, it was a Navy. It was a GB production. I went okay. I'll yeah. support. I'll support the British bike. <laughs> but I was torn. I was. Yeah. Uh, but no regrets, and I bought it for life. Uh, that was it. Yeah. And I said, okay, keep that one going. It's still original. Yeah, good. So, uh, yeah, I don't know when I'll see it again. Maybe August, September. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure the battery's kaput by now. <sighs> oh shit, that's bad, man. That's bad. But at that's least, at least. Um, but I mean, you also. I mean, it's nice. You get to. I mean, you can ride the bike in Europe, and, yeah. and there are lots of beautiful places to ride there. Yeah, and like you say, it's the flexibility. You give yourself two or three days to do a journey. Very rarely do I book too far ahead. I'll have a couple of nights where I just stop wherever they're biker friendly as well. Yeah. Uh, no issues. Uh, and there's quite a big society. Um, and everybody's waving at each other when they're going. And so you end up in a, you, you go with a crew and then you might peel off and then you might meet up with other bikers. And, yeah. You know, and then up at the cafes and they tell you which routes and where to go and what to avoid weather wise. And that's, yeah. Oh, that's Good. great. Man. That's great. Good. Anyway, Mr. Kilmartin, it's been that awesome chatting. I mean, I've taken up quite a lot of your time, but um, no worries. Long overdue. Long yeah, overdue. no, no. It's so nice to chat, man. It's yeah. think back to old times and all that kind of stuff. And well, there you have it. Another episode under the belt. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you made it all the way down to the end of the of the podcast. If you did, please don't forget that you can always engage with me. Drop me a, a message on, on Instagram, Facebook, or wherever you find me. It would really be great to hear from you guys. 
Let me know what's happening. Any positive or negative comments you want to make, always welcome. And that, my friends, is the end. I'll catch you next time.